Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thanks for joining us. And today we're doing a second part to a topic that I began last time where we asked the question, how did we get here? There seems to be multiple crises in our country, in our culture, but especially in our church, and it's baffling a lot of people. And what I tried to do is dig deep into three events or developments, you might call them, way back in the 19th century that enabled our culture, our country, and especially our church to arrive at the place where we are today. So this episode is not looking at the past to get a key to the present, but trying to discern the present itself. And I know a lot of Christians are confused whenever they try to understand the future and study biblical prophecy. But, you know, sometimes it's equally as hard and maybe sometimes even harder than trying to perceive the future is to see very clearly a real accurate perception of the present. And hence, this is our episode today, What is Happening Now. And just so you know, I do a companion broadcast called Luke 21, where we explore biblical prophecy, and that is now on YouTube as well as in audio as it has been. But what I'm doing today is really a kind of a condensation of three episodes from Luke 21, episodes 264, 265, and 354. But what I'm trying to share with you from those episodes is what I call a trail of breadcrumbs left to us by Pope Benedict. Um, I really like Pope Benedict, and I love his teaching. I continue to study it, even though he's not with us, um, at least on earth. Uh, I believe he he's, he's a very wise, obviously highly intelligent, well-educated theologian, and he's, he's not bombastic by any means. He's the dead opposite. But I do believe he has left to us clues for what's happening in our world as we speak, and specifically what is happening in our church. A lot of people just shake their heads like you hear one thing after another, seems to be the particularly the German Catholics leading the way, but all around the world, things are going on that, you know, Catholics who love their faith are just shaking their heads. What's going on? Well, something that Pope Benedict highlighted in the last oh, few years, I guess, uh, during his pontificate, he mentioned the theologian Tychonius in very positive terms, and I've since found out that Pope Benedict had been studying the church theologian Tychonius as early as 1956. He wrote a paper entitled Reflections on Tychonius's Conception of the Church. And so what Pope Benedict did is leave us some little breadcrumbs, a little trail that we could follow to see where he was 
basically giving insight into what's happening in our church today. And again, I don't think it's easy to truly perceive everything that's going on. And that's why I think it's very important that we try to follow what Pope Benedict left us. But who is this Tychonius? And by the way, I knew vaguely about Tychonius, but I heard he was a Donatist, and a Donatist had separated from the Catholic Church early on. It was after the imperial persecutions, and a lot of people caved to the persecutions and confessed that Caesar is Lord and that type of thing, or turned over copies of the scriptures to the Roman authorities. And the Donatist took the very hard line that those people you know, should not be treated lightly, and there's a big controversy. So the Donatists separated. And since they separated from the Catholic Church, I heard Tychonius was a Donatist. I never paid any attention to him until I heard Pope Benedict refer to him. And I thought, well, maybe I, I should take a second look at this, this church father. And I found out that Tychonius was what I would call a semi-Donatist, okay? He was kind of hardcore, not kind of, he was hardcore, like the Donatists, but unlike the Donatists who couldn't see anything right with the Catholic Church, it happens when people separate, they kind of start accusing each other of all kinds of things and taking harder and harder lines. And so uh, Tychonius wouldn't go along with that. He saw there were good things going on in the Catholic Church as well as bad. And so he wasn't a formal member of the Catholic Church, and the Donatists kicked him out. So he was kind of in a theological no-man's land. But he was a very influential fourth-century theologian in North Africa. And what really caught my attention is that I have a very high regard for St. Augustine, and the Catholic Church does, and I don't know if you're aware that uh, Pope Benedict did. Uh, He to me, he's kind of a, a was a type of contemporary St. Augustine, really. And I found out that it was Tychonius had this huge impact on St. Augustine. In fact, the seed, the germ, so to speak, for his whole thesis in the city of God came from Tychonius, but the two had Uh, slightly different perspectives. So here you have Pope Benedict as early as 56, 1956, studying Tychonius, as well as a lifelong uh, appreciation for the works of St. Augustine. Of course, City of God is one of his chief works. So what did Tychonius write? Well, first of all, he wrote what he called the Book of Rules. And the rules was like a handbook of biblical interpretation. It was kind of an early uh, attempt at this. And in fact, St. Augustine summarizes uh, Tychonius's rules uh, in his work, The Christian Doctrine. And one of those rules, or actually those rules, he used then to interpret the book of Revelation, which is very interesting. And Tychonius in 380 wrote the work he called the Exposition of the Apocalypse. And this was an early commentary on the entire book of Revelation. 
And it basically changed the direction for interpreting the book of Revelation in the Catholic Church for the next 800 years. And what he had done is taken his book of rules and used those to interpret the book of Revelation. And why his influence lasted for centuries in the Catholic Church was that both St. Augustine and St. Jerome passed on Tychonius's views of revelation to the wider church, and he made a huge dent. And so what exactly did Tychonius teach? I'm getting down to the real nitty gritty. Let me start first, probably what's a little simpler, with St. Augustine, City of God, writing about 40 years after Tychonius. But St. Augustine, City of God, he sees humanity divided into two cities, the city of God, city of man, and that humanity was basically divided into two parts, even though, like in the Roman Empire, you had both Catholics and those who are not Christians at all. And so, as it exists in this world, it might say there's only one community, but no, within the empire, there's two, city of God, city of man, two-part humanity, two cities. Tychonius differed from St. Augustine in that he said that there's three parts to humanity, uh, the city of man or the heathen, just like St. Augustine had. But regarding the church, Tychonius had two parts within the church. One part were the false believers that were within the church, and the second part were the true believers within the church. And so you have the three parts of humanity, according to Tychonius. You have the heathen, the false believers in the church, and the true believers in the church. And it's very interesting, once you read Tychonius, and I've read his seven rules and his commentary on Revelation, you start to reread scriptures, um, it, it's, it's surprising how some things kind of jump out at you. And perhaps you would take Jesus's kingdom parable, the parable of the wheat and the tares or the weeds among the wheat, however you title that parable. And it's like, this is Tychonius's stuff where Jesus says the kingdom may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. The field, the kingdom field is the church, but while men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat. In other words, amongst the church, you have the wheat, the true believers, and you have the weeds or the tares, the false believers. So when the plants came up, the weeds appeared also. And in Greek, these are the tares is like look-alike wheat. They look very similar while they're growing. In fact, they're very hard to distinguish until they reach maturity. And right before harvest time, the two start to become distinct. You start to, they start to show their colors, so to speak. So the servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? How is it that it has weeds? And he said to him, An enemy has done this. Again, this is a kingdom parable. 
This isn't a parable about the unbelievers, the atheists, the anti-Christians. No, this is a parable about those within the church. What's going to happen? And his servant says, you want us to go, you know, yank up all the weeds? And he goes, no, because you're not going to be able to tell the difference until harvest time. Let both grow together until harvest time. And then he'll tell the reapers to go the pull the wheats, bind them into bundles, and to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. So Pope Benedict highlighted Tychonius in his general audience on April 22, 2009. And what was going on, perhaps more than anyone in Rome that I can think of, Pope Benedict, and even before that, when he was Cardinal Ratzinger in his job, was receiving all the notices of clerical sex abuse around the world. And uh, if you understand Pope Benedict, I think I understand him a little bit, uh, he was a very sensitive man, and it was just so overwhelming to him what was going on in the church, and then couple that with the covering up of the clerical sexual abuse of children that, uh, you know, it went on. And then we have these these outbreaks. You think it's over, and then we have another outbreak reports of abuse. And in his general audience, April 22, 2009, he said that the apocalypse, that's the book of Revelation, is above all a reflection on the mystery of the church. Now, I've studied the book of Revelation for literally a half a century, fairly intensely, okay? And I didn't pick up on this because I would read the book of Revelation kind of very much in line, and I love St. Augustine City God, don't, don't get me wrong, but I also believe the breadcrumbs from Pope Benedict highlighting Tychonius we shouldn't be unaware of. And I kind of saw the book of Revelation, you have good guys and bad guys, uh, city of God, city of man. That's, and that's in the book of Revelation. But according to Tychonius, remember, you have three parts and that uh, it's not just the bad guys out there. There's bad guys in there, like according to Jesus in Matthew 13, the parable of the wheat and the tares. So according to Tychonius, his seventh rule out of his seven rules he says that the anti-church, the false church, masquerades as the church. And he said that like the bride of Christ that we read about in Revelation 19 and Revelation 21, towards the very end of Revelation, and the whore of Babylon, the center of false religion, Revelation 17 and 18, are both, both adorned with gold, silver, and precious stones. In other words, the devil's group imitates the bride of Christ, the Lord's holy body, and he says, so that one may be deceived by the similarity of splendor. In other words, they're lookalikes, and you need discernment as well as know what in the world the historic Catholic faith is, because there's such a division just in the last month, what's going on in the Catholic Church, what's true and what's false. So just getting anything with a little bit of a earlier date on it and 
particularly just go back to the scriptures themselves to get your bearing because you just look at things and, yeah, this kind of seems all right. But remember, Jesus warned that within the church that Satan would place false brethren. And according to St. John, the book of Revelation, and, can, and, and then when you get to the end of book of Revelation, you're getting to that harvest time when the two are coming to maturity. The good get better and the bad get worse. So you begin to see these, these groups emerge. And Jesus warned, Jesus Christ warned, Matthew 17, verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. In other words, use discernment. Just because someone wears clerical garb, that can mean they're a wolf in sheep's clothing or they're a true shepherd in sheep's clothing. And throughout church history, you've had both. Here's what St. Paul said in Acts chapter 20. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking perverse things to draw the disciples after them. And again, the bad guys that St. Paul is warning about in Acts chapter 20, and this was something that started in the first century and goes on right through church history, these aren't just people out there, the city of man. This is within the city of God. There's going to be false prophets, wolves coming in, trying to destroy the sheep. And you might think, well, what about papal teaching? How about the papal teaching of St. Peter? Second Peter chapter 2, St. Peter says, but false prophets also arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Oh, they won't get anywhere. Nobody will listen to the false teachers. I'm sorry. Verse 2 says in 2 Peter 2, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. The Catholic University of America, some scholars there, we didn't have a book of Tychonius's uh, commentary on Revelation, which impacted the church for 800 years. But they did something, I think, just rather cool. It was so widely used, Tychonius's commentary on Revelation, it was commented on by all kinds of folks all through these centuries. And so what they did is pulled together the quotes and we got computers now and everything else. And they have actually reconstructed the commentary on Book of Revelation, which was used by the Catholic Church for about 800 years. And in the foreword to that commentary, the translators of Tychonius's work said this, the devil is bound in the present time. However, he will be released just before the second coming of Christ. After these things, it is necessary for him to be loosed for a short time, that is, in the time of the Antichrist, when the man of sin will have been revealed and will have received all power for persecuting as never before since the beginning. In the final persecution, 
the mystery of iniquity, which had been held in check and hidden within the church, will come out and be revealed. And this is a very concise, well-articulated way of saying what Jesus said in the parable of the wheat and the weeds, or the wheat and the tares. They're being restrained, they're hidden. As St. John said, the commentary of Tychonius and Revelation, the two look alike until you get close to the end. Now, there's a second set of breadcrumbs left by Pope Benedict. This, as I say, I think this is a very profound last number of years of his pontificate. He uh, had a second teacher that he highlighted, Pope Benedict did, and not only highlighted, but he proclaimed her a doctor of the church. And I'm referring, of course, to St. Hildegard, who uh, particularly Pope Benedict, when he proclaimed her as a doctor of the church, highlighted her outstanding work in interpreting and teaching scripture. And what's kind of amazing to me that uh, St. Hildegard did this excellent interpretation of scripture with no formal teaching in the scriptures. And have somebody like Pope Benedict say she did a bang up job, so to speak. And yet um, this was something the Holy Spirit led her in a very deep way. And there's something about St. Hildegard that's very similar to Tychonius. And I think this is the, the breadcrumb that Pope Benedict wanted to leave us. He saw that the church is experiencing crisis and things you could never imagine happening within the Catholic Church were happening. And again, I think he got it back um, before emails. It was his fax machine coming into the Congregation of Doctrine of the Faith. Uh, They were to deal with the clerical crisis, and it was just one of the things that I think that really overloaded him and pushed him to think, okay, um, as a good theologian, you don't just go for the latest and greatest thing. You look for things deep in church history. You kind of second-guess yourself, and you say, no, this, this must have been taught by others, and that's why he brought forward Tychonius and kind of left us a big, big hint what's going on. Well, the same thing when he brought out St. Hildegard and proclaimed her a doctor of the church, and then Pope Benedict referred to a vision that St. Hildegard brought forward in her writing, and it was a shocking vision, and just in case your children are listening to me, this is one I don't think it's for the kids. It's, it's shocking. It's truly shocking. And the thing is, if you read the book of Revelation with the hint, the breadcrumb from Pope Benedict, um, and the insight from Tychonius, the book of Revelation should be truly shocking. That's the idea. All that kind of like strange imagery that a lot of people have a hard time figuring out, It's to shock you to no end. It was to shock the first century Catholics from following air. Don't go that way. It looks good. It looks normal. It looks alike. 
but it's promising things and enabling things that are grossly immoral, have nothing to do with the Christian faith. Separate yourselves. Well, St. Hildegard had a, a vision, and she saw a figure of a woman. Of course, it's the church, just like in the book of Revelation, the two women, whom I have previously seen in front of the altar that stands before the eyes of God. But now I saw her from the waist down. And in St. Hildegard's vision, unlike the two cities standing uh, opposite each other in the city of God, she saw that the two parts of the church were the same woman. And from her waist down, you get into the second picture. She had blemishes, and that in the latter place was a black and monstrous head. In other words, the top part of the woman was genuine, true believers. The bottom part, corrupt beyond all description. It had fiery eyes and ears like an ass, nostrils and mouth like a lion's. And it was terribly clashed its horrible iron-colored teeth. That monstrous head moved from its place with such great shock that the figure of the woman was shaken through all her limbs. And you know, in my reading this, I mean, I personally just, I'll just say it bluntly, been shaken by what I've seen going on within the Catholic Church. I thought, yeah, I can expect this from those outside, but what about inside? And when I see somebody like St. Hildegard, who I think just, you know, if you were in an Olympic contest, she gets a 10 out of 10 in, in bringing forth the scriptures here that the woman was shocked throughout her limbs. Why? Because of what she saw in his vision going on in the church and in this vision that Pope Benedict referred to us as indicative of what's going on in the world. These are incredible hints. So the three parts, okay, those out there, we know and what to expect from that and should not be too surprised from that. But what we sometimes let down our guard, that within the church, Jesus St. Paul, St. John, St. Peter, St. Hildegard warns us that within there are things that can go on, and as you get closer to the end, the two become mature. The good become great, and the wicked show their colors, and we shouldn't be thrown off guard in our faith when we see this happening. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 471 of Faith and Family. And if you're interested in learning more about biblical prophecy from a Catholic perspective, remember our Luke 21 broadcast is now on YouTube in video format that allows us to post key scriptures, cross-references, and a lot more. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to learn more about Catholic family life.